today. We're going to be in the end of Romans chapter 8 this morning. I'm looking forward to it. Just a few things to uh, announce to get everybody on the, on the same page. Um, annual reports are on that back table there. And the nominations, as they are at this point, are uh, there on the back table as well. Pick those, pick those up. Um, next week, Lord willing, after the morning service, we'll have what I think would be a short uh, members meeting to vote on the budget and nominations. Um, and so, if you get uh, pick up the annual report and pick up the nominations, that would be uh, uh, informative to you and then help you uh, uh, know uh, how to uh, direct your votes, etc. Um, this uh, this week being Valentine's Day, uh, something for the moms and dads. Um, <clears throat> if you need someone to watch your kids, so you can head up to Augusta or whatever for dinner with your spouse or um, if you want to get Chinese takeout and go home without kids, uh, you are more than welcome to drop your kids off at our house. Uh, we'll watch your kids. That's what we're going to do for Valentine's Day, and then Monday we'll celebrate our Valentine's Day. Um, so I want parents to know that you have no excuse uh, here. Husbands, you have no excuse, no out. Uh, you are welcome to drop your kids off. You can do it right after church. You can do it sometime during the afternoon. You can pick them up before I go to bed. Um, but you are well, certainly welcome to do that. And uh, we actually would, would look forward to doing that for you and serving you in that way. So uh, dads and moms, there you go. There is an invitation if you don't have anything set up at this time. And um, uh, we, we'd love to, love to do that. Um, as we uh, mentioned last Sunday, Nick and Hannah are heading off to Rockland here uh, after the 28th of this month uh, to serve at Littlefield. And so we're going to, on the 28th, have a send-off for them. And uh, we're going to have a really simple lunch. It's not going to be uh, a lot involved. It's going to be all taken care of for you. We'll have pulled pork and some salad or coleslaw and some cake and cupcakes um, and uh, we'll have a we'll have a send off for them. Hannah um, uh, will be served a little baby shower, um, and we're going to encourage you to bring things that would be helpful to them, such as diapers. Um, and uh, you might want to give the receipt for it too, because you know you don't always use up the diapers, and sometimes you do, and the kids move through different stages, and they're in stage five, and they grow out of stage four. I guess if you've been there, you know how it is. Um, so diapers, wipes, those kind of practical things, encourage you to, to do to be a blessing and send them off. And so uh, we'll look forward to that on the, on the 28th. Um, <clears throat> this Tuesday at 5.30, for anyone who wants to go over um, the discussion questions here, for, uh, uh, they're on the back table as well in the prayer focus. Uh, for Romans 8, 31 to 39, feel free to come on over at our house Tuesday at 5.30 and we'll... We'll go through those and there's some fellowship uh, there. That opportunity is available. 
And then I did want to um, mention our prayer focus for this particular week. We have four families who have been trying to work through the phone directory and pray for. Um, the, the Callahans, Josh and Katie and Maggie, Charlotte and Levi. Uh, the other Callahans, uh, Michael and Jocelyn. The Champions, Birch and Connie, Rowan and Warren. And then the Davises, Tim and Jess, Jonathan, Zoe and Natalia and Olivia. And then our prayer focus here, um, looking at what Paul uh, in his epistles encouraged the churches um, to be uh, uh, to have right conduct to establish the churches. Our pastors, a little uh, uh, blurb here on their job description from the epistles, and then things to pray for out of that. And then I would like you all to know um, from our uh, friend in Myanmar, Timothy. Of what's happening in the, on the ground in Myanmar. Some of you might have heard some news blurbs about what's happening there. Um, I have a, 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 an email that he sent here, and uh, Timothy is normally a very optimistic, upbeat guy uh, here, and it looks very dark for the country of Myanmar, honestly. Um, military took the government leaders and put them in jail, the ones that have been elected. Uh, Myanmar has always been in a, in a constant state of, of tyranny, um, whether that was from some of the British um, imperialism back at the 1800s and turn of the century to them having their uh, final independence, but then the military taking over that leadership. And then they finally had free elections, um, though we knew some of it was a little bit of a facade, um, but it was a big step for them, and now they reversed back to the military taking over the government. Um, the bad thing is the military cares nothing for the citizens, and so people starving or people being shot really, really is, uh, they, they care less about. They also just released um, uh, like 25,000 prisoners from prison, the military, to let loose and to cause havoc on the protesters, um, whether that's poisoning the water or burglarizing or burning down homes. Um, it's just a, it's just an awful situation here, and so um, Timothy is, uh, is he says my heart is broken. I am crying. We, the Myanmar Partnership of Biblical Churches, are organizing 48-hour uh, prayer chain for the turmoil since this morning at 6 a.m. Uh, not before long, our people, our missionaries, will have no food. What shall we do? I throw myself in the arms of Jehovah, just looking unto Him for deliverance from the evil circumstances. I'm asking you, friends, to continue to pray fervently for us who live in Myanmar. God can change the dark circumstance into a shining situation. Yours in his vineyard, Timothy. Um, banks have been shut down. Stores have been shut down. Internet uh, is uh, on the blink there. And uh, one of the frightening things is that China takes full advantage of these situations um, to get their fingers in power and are, uh, are backing the, the military um, government. Um, there. So please be in prayer for Myanmar, and if I could have a, a couple of you um, uh, pray for Myanmar, and then pray for uh, these families that we mentioned. Um, one of you prayed for Myanmar this morning, and one of you prayed for these families, the Callahans, um, and the Callahans, and the Champions, and the Davises here this morning. Um, let's begin our, our time in prayer. Um, Lee, would you pray for the families this morning? Callahan's, Callahan's, Champions, and Davises. And um, if I could have um, uh, Mr. Paul Miller, if you would pray for Myanmar um, this morning here. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll begin in prayer, and then Lee, and then 
Paul. Callahan's, Callahan's, and Champions, and uh, Davis's. Lord Jesus, we thank you that um, our hearts can be bound and we can do work with you through our prayers here, though we feel helpless with our friends all the way across the world. Thank you that you are not bound by time and space. The very same resurrection power spirit that dwells in us, dwells in our brothers and sisters in Myanmar. Lord, in what humanly looks like a very hopeless situation that will have lasting consequences and ramifications, uh, we ask that you would equip the church to be powerful during this time. That you would certainly provide for the needs that they are experiencing and will experience in scarcities. And you would help them to shine as a very bright light to the dim hopelessness of that Buddhist country, um, Lord, that is in turmoil. Pray the evil one would be bound. We pray that his counsel and his efforts um, to thwart um, uh, flourishing human societies um, would be seen to be as they are, and uh, you, would, uh, you would knock him off his pedestal. And Lord, we pray for each of these families, the Callahans, the Callahans, the Champions, and the Davises. We pray for the husbands as they lead their families in each of these homes. We pray that they would be men of the Lord. We pray that they would be men of grace. We pray that they would be men of resolve. And uh, Lord, we pray that they would be men of kindness. We pray for the ladies in each of these homes. And we thank you for each one of them. And how, as the queens of these homes, Lord, you um, have given them such a such a special, impactful uh, role in time. And so we ask that you would uh, encourage them, you would build them up. Lord, we pray that um, the, uh, the the lies of this world would um, would be put down to the truce. Lord, we pray for each of the children um, in these homes that have children. We pray that they would grow up to be arrows that are released for your mission. Arrows that have been shaped by the character of Christ, that had heart transformation by being born again, and who walk in Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning somewhat with a sorrowful heart, with a heavy heart, for the news that we've heard today of our brothers and sisters in the different countries, in Miramar, Father, we look at our own lives here and we think that we're uh, being persecuted in some way. And yet, when we look at the others around the world, we see the need that Christ needs to work in those countries more than ever. Father, we pray for our own families here, for loved ones. and We're all family together in Christ. And yet, sometimes we don't know the needs of those families, so we ask you to meet the needs of each and every one of these families that have been brought to us this morning. I think of uh, the Callahan family, Josh and Katie, Maggie, Charlotte, Levi. The special love that we have for them, not only as sisters and brothers in Christ, but also as family members as well. We love them in two different ways. We love them as family, and we love them as uh, children of God. Father, I just pray you continually use them to 
put a hedge of protection around them, give them a spirit of love for Christ as they grow, especially the youngest ones, as they grow up, may they glorify you in each and every way. For Mike and Jocelyn, we love them. They too are family with us. They're also family in Christ, and we just pray for them, provide for their needs, watch over their spirits, Lord, and help them to overcome the things that uh, face each and every one of us with sin every day. We all have our talented, uh, the, uh, tailored sin that each and every one of us face. And sometimes those sins are inward, and we come to you and ask that you would glor be glorified in the way that they come through these times together. Father, for the champion family, Birch and Connie, Rowan and Warren, we thank you so much for their for their work in the scriptures and uh, Bible interpretation. And I know that they have a heavy heart for members throughout the world that they uh, worked with and they work with. Um, we continually ask that you would provide for their needs as well. Thankful that they're here today. And we pray that you would continue to use their talents to increase the number of people that will have the, uh, the Word of God in their own language. For the Davis family, for Tim and Josh and the children, Lord, we just pray that you put a hedge of protection around Tim, especially, because he has a tough job up there. And the attitude towards people in different states, I don't know if Maine is as bad as some, but we know that he needs your protection each and every day, Lord, as he goes about keeping the laws of this land and doing it with a, with a Christian attitude. So, Father, we just thank you so much for these families that you brought to our attention this morning to be in prayer for. And, Lord, I just pray you put a hedge of protection around this church, around this church family. And I just pray, as you did with Moses, Take off your shoes, for this is holy ground, and I just claim this ground as holy ground, especially this morning as we meet together. Father, again, we thank you so much for the way you have blessed us in this country. Help us to have a heart, even if we can't reach out to Miramar right now, but to have a heart for those that are being persecuted worldwide. Help us to be in prayer and remembrance every day. In Jesus' name. Good morning, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace and your mercy to us. Lord, we thank you for your hand on us, on this country. But Lord, we don't suffer persecution as others do. We suffer small amounts, and sometimes we groan under it, Lord God, but you've been so blessed, Father God. We thank you for that. Lord, we look to other countries, and today we look to Miramar. The troubles Lord, we can take heart as we look back and ask and give it books of your coming word that persecution spreads the word, Lord. Persecution is a, a mean and hurtful thing to many people. But Lord, it's for this short life that they're persecuted, for the short time on this earth that we feel that persecution. And we feel it, Lord, to grow. We feel it, Lord, to gain glory in you. And so, Father, we look and ask the Lord to have your hand on them as they live through this. May other 
Thank you. Uh, Before Paul comes for our scripture reading, we look into uh, Romans 8. Um, I just want to, again, extend an invite to you. Several of you know that after the morning service, we've been having a short time up in the auditorium um, with uh, uh, several people who have expressed a desire to make disciples as Jesus did. And so we're working through this man on the screen, uh, Robert Coleman's little book, um, The Master Plan of Evangelism. And it's been, uh, it's been a, a, a rich study. Um, and then we looked at Dawson Trotman's role with Billy Graham and how Billy Graham asked him to follow up and make disciples and see reproduction. And um, we, we read his, uh, his article, Born to Reproduce. We've been praying. Uh, so far, at this time, we're asking God to produce disciple makers uh, who unleash a, a, a waterfall upon the world here. Jesus worked with the few, and the few reached more, and the more made leaders, and there was reproduction there. And uh, we sitting in our, uh, this room today are the results of Jesus' method. Um, and so we're, we're really, really challenging people to look at how Jesus made disciples. There are some books, Master Planning Evangelism, on the back table that are available for a suggested $5 uh, donation. You're welcome to join in with us at any time. Um, but I want you to understand uh, that the whole point of making disciples is through evangelism and through building up is to move people closer and closer to Jesus Christ with greater and greater fervency for him, uh, with greater and greater uh, um, uh, obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to make disciples, we're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and we're to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And so... Uh, the reason for that is that so the Son of God would be glorified, so he receives the honor and glory as he stands, and as, as we looked last week in Romans 8, among his brothers and sisters, the inheritance uh, that have been purchased through faith in his name, faith in his blood, and uh, we have a redeemed people around the risen Christ uh, for all eternity, giving glory and praise and enjoyment uh, in the Lord. And so today, just a little sneak peek, we're going to look at some of the stages of discipleship. Everybody starts spiritually dead, right? Dead in our sins. And then we come to Christ, we're born again. Become spiritual babies, infants. And then we're going to grow into the next stage, a child. Then we're going to grow into the next stage of a young adult. But God wants us all to move eventually to this stage here of reproducers, of spiritual parents. And so that's one of the things we're going to be looking at this morning. And uh, uh, after the morning service, you're welcome to join us. Uh, here we had four more people last week uh, join us. And um, we're praying for our one. And we're going to take some practical steps along the way. One of the things we're going to do um, is look at what's called a Hegel scale. And um, help to understand how um, uh, God calls each of us to help move a person to the next step. The next spiritual step in Christ. Um, we meet people all along the spectrum, don't we? Flat out um, uh, atheists or skeptics to people who had a religious background and believe in some kind of God uh, to people who um, may have even grown up in a Bible-believing church um, but don't know the Lord themselves personally. And so God calls us to meet people where they're at and move them to the next stage. So I just want to, again, extend that invitation to you. Um, this morning, we'll have a, about half an hour time uh, together and be, and be sent off here. I'm going to have Paul come. He's going to uh, read the scriptures this morning in Romans 8, 31 through 
Good morning. One of the perks of being able to speak is you don't have to wear a mask. But, but you know, that's down here on the perk list. The real perk is being able to read the Word of God to this assembly. So I, I appreciate that privilege. Thank you. Well, actually, I prepared more, but I guess I'll, I'll read the uh, Romans 8. Um, but as I was reading through that this week, some things came to mind. I just wanted to pass that to you just for see where my mind goes sometimes. Peace. Peace and presence and completeness. We're complete in God. We have a duality in life. We're complete in God. We have everything we need. And yet we're still learning. We're not there. But we're complete. We have a peace with God. We have a peace that, they say, passes understanding. And yet we have turmoil and things going on in the world, things going on in our life that are boiling over here. So there's a, a duality. You have the presence of Christ always with us, 24-7, never, never away from us, never will go away from us. And yet sin, pressures of sin are pushing on us. And I thought, well, how does that work? And then when you look at God's beautiful, perfect plan, that he gives us the power, the strength for the Holy Spirit that indwells us to do anything that he wants us to do, to do everything, to defeat these things that are pushing against us, that, that are in turmoil, and to take full advantage of his comfort, his peace. And I think, well, every day I think of that, as I opened up the scripture, I just it was like opening up a treasure chest again. And just so many jewels shined out on me on this. It was just pretty amazing. Uh, it really struck me this week. So his design, we can see joy through tribulation. We can see the spreading of the word through pers- persecution. And we can see that as we live this life, this is just, a, again, like that spot on the spectrum of not wearing a mask, it's just a spot because we can see the glory of God returning. Okay, let's go to um, Romans 8, 30 to 39, please. And the Lord says, Moreover, whom did he predestine? Then he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything in the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh uh, intercession for us. Who shall, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trial or tribulation, distress or persecution, famine or weakness, peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor the heights or the depths, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, we come humbly with love and worship in our hearts and on our lips. We know that with you we can bear much fruit. We come knowing that you died for us. But even more importantly, Lord, you rose to life for us. You give us awesome responsibility to be your ambassadors in the face of a world that's not always accepting, sometimes hostile. But at the same time, you give us all the power and ability that we need to successfully complete these responsibilities that you give us. To be bold and strong in the word we do love and compassion. We have nothing to fear, Lord, nothing and no one. We have total and absolute security in Christ Jesus our Lord. And come the day when we close our eyes to this world for the last time. The one thing we will keep is Jesus in us. The Lord God is with us to you again. So it's holy name. Amen. Good morning. It is great to see you folks. Um, I miss, I don't know about you guys, but I miss the singing ahead of the sermon just to kind of set our mind on things. So I want to do a, something um, that will orient us a little more to the passage, uh, just get our minds set on this. So I want to read sections, phrases from the passage, and we will all respond, God is for us. Because Paul has set this out, that this truth that God is for us, underlies everything that he's about to go through in this whole section. That's the foundation here, that God is for us. So let's, uh, so I will, I will give a phrase and then we all respond. But the, the focus here, in this phrase, what, what, in this, this section, what God is, what, what Paul is contrasting is that it's God who's for us. So as we say it, we will emphasize that it, God is for us, okay? So, who can be against us? God. God is for us. Who is he that condemneth? God is for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? God is for us. Now these are the things that our friends, our sisters and brothers in Myanmar are going through. Shall tribulation? God is for us. Or distress? God is for us. Or persecution? God is for us. Or famine? God is for us. Or nakedness? God is for us. Or peril? God is for us. Or sword, God is for us. Then last of all, 
For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is for us. I don't blame Paul at all for having to express his thoughts on this passage. Because you can't read through this passage very deeply and not just start to effuse uh, rejoicing. Just this, the, 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 this passage is so rich and so full that it just flows out as you read it. And it starts out with this, with this statement of awe. And that's where I want to start this morning. We, the three points that I want to work through, that the awe of God's plan, the completeness of Christ's work, and then the security of God's love. So the awe of God's plan, the completeness of Christ's work, and the security of God's love. We start with this awe. What shall we then say to these things? What things are that? Well, we talked about just last week, more from verse 29 and 30, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. That there is this plan, this process for our good to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be made like Christ, that yes, God works all things together for our good, and what is our good? To be made like Christ. And so he's taking these things in our lives and he's using them for us to do the very best thing for us. And that very best thing is becoming like Christ. And so Paul just, just burst forth and says, what are we to say to this? We have songs that express this, this awe, this this. Almost, we're flabbergasted by this. What what songs? Think of. Give me a few songs that we sing that express this this awe that we have at God's plan. How can it be? How great thou art! How great thou art! What a savior! What a savior! We. Hmm? Our God is awesome. Our God is an awesome God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. A mighty fortress. That awe. Think of what Spafford was going through after losing his family and he writes the third verse of It Is Well With My Soul. My sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. 
and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. That, that expression of how is this? How can it be? Paul has, has communicated in chapter 7 what a wretch he is. But then in 8, over and over again, he's saying, there is no condemnation. Not only is there no condemnation, God is working this for our good. God is working this so we become like His Son. And He just, he just bursts forth in awe here. And he makes this statement, if God be for us, who can be against us? Since God is for us, who can be against us? This word for here has the, the meaning of on the behalf of, or even over. But not, not over like a judge over you, but over like Covering you. As a hen gathers her chicks to cover them from the storm, to be over them. God is for you. God is over you. God is working on your behalf. God is covering you. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Okay, think about this. God searched heaven for the most precious thing, his son, and gave him to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Why would he withhold anything else? Do you really think he's going to give us that and then be stingy with anything else that we actually need? He's going to hold back after giving us Christ? Absolutely not. I have a friend in Michigan. His uncle is a lawyer and he's, he's quite wealthy. And he, he and his wife couldn't have children. They had this large home and um, finally decided they wanted to adopt some children from South America. Or a child, actually. A boy. And they contacted the adoption agency and the orphanage and they worked with them. And finally the time came and they went down and to, to pick up this boy. And when they get to the orphanage, the orphanage says... His brother is here also. Would you like to meet him? And they said, well, let's pray about it, but I think so. I think we... So they took a few moments and they said, yes, we don't want to split them up. And so the brother um, comes and they said, yes, we'll adopt him too. And then they said, his sister lives in another orphanage in another village, in another town. So they went and met his sister. And they adopted her. And then there was a younger brother 
And they came home with four children. And they had the room. They had the means. They were, it was, and they truly were a family. It wasn't a scam. But the two older children had a very hard time adjusting to their adoption. They, they began stealing food and hoarding it in their room. And of course, they never needed food. It would just rot. They would hide it in their room and it would just, it would start to stink. And then the parents would come and see this food. And what did you do that for? And, and, but it would happen again. Or they'd steal money from, from their, their mother's purse. And they would sit them down and they would say, you know what? What did you need money for? Well, just in case, you know, if I, I needed I needed to buy something, if I needed to, if there was something I, I, I couldn't have, I didn't have, why are you stealing food in case I don't, if I go without? And they would explain to them, this refrigerator will always be full of food. It's just, it's, your father's all set. He doesn't even need to work anymore. The, the, the money is there. The food will be there. If you need clothes, if you need shoes, if you need anything, we will do what it takes to provide it for you. And yet, they continued to hoard food and steal. It took a course of years for them to trust and recognize that, yes, the food's going to be there. Yes, these, these, these people that adopted us are going to provide for us. That's what Paul's saying here, is that God has this, this wealth of grace and mercy and love for us. But often as, as believers, we are scrimping and scratching for what we can get for our rights, for our recognition, for our security, for our peace, for our comfort, for, for our attention, for our success. And God says, I've got it all right here for you. Your Father is rich in blessings for you. Why are you chasing after these things? Why are you, you working so hard to get them for yourselves? I've given you the most precious thing already. Do you really think I'm going to hold that? Now we get into, from this position of awe and this recognition that God is for us. He's working on our behalf in everything that happens. We get into the completeness of Christ's work. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. You see, he's setting up this contrast here. Who? Who are you going to set up against God? How is, how is that going to, to balance out? You're going to say, okay, this, this guy is going to lay a charge against God's children, against God's chosen family. 
It's God that justifies. The power of God is behind my justification. And then he continues on. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ. Using the word for the anointed one, the king. It's the king who died. Who is he that condemneth? It's the king who died, who sacrificed his life for us. I have spent the week trying to come up with a, a picture, a metaphor of what Paul is setting up here. And I think I came up with it this morning. Back in Exodus, when the Israelites left Egypt and had been brought through the Red Sea, within a matter of days, they were complaining against Moses. And they were going without water and they were walking around in the wilderness and they were city folk from Egypt. And so, and if it had been us, and if we had been there in the woods, in the wilderness, uh, in the desert for three days without water, we would have been saying, okay, this guy, this leader Moses is an idiot because apparently he doesn't realize we need water and our livestock need water and he just brought us out here to kill us. We would be complaining too. So in Exodus 17, God, Moses cries out to God. And God says, go to this place and go to this rock and I will stand before you. Now, when you think of a judge and a defendant and the, the, the verdict is about to be made, the defendant stands before the judge. The judge doesn't stand. The defendant does. And God does this, says this incredible thing. He says, I will stand before you. And then he tells Moses, and you, Moses, will strike the rock and life-giving water will come out. God's saying, judge me. On the behalf of the people. And I will be struck. I will be punished. I will be broken. And life-giving water will come out. You see, it is Christ that died. The one, the only Son of God came to earth and died on our behalf. Is there any condemnation? Is there any accusation that can be laid to, to us and stand up to Christ's sacrifice? You see, there's certainly accusations that could stand up to any sacrifice I make. I can only die, and that's it. But I deserve to die because I have sinned against God. So all it would do is simply, it would simply take care of the punishment for one of my sins, maybe. 
And then there's more and more and more. But because it's Christ that died, <laughs> it's, it's infinitely powerful. So no matter what my sin is, I can bring it before him. I can be under that condemnation, but I can lay it at Christ's feet. And when I put my faith in Christ, that transfers my sin to Christ's back and puts it on him. If someone was to come in here today and condemn me, it would most likely all be true. Birch, you're a liar. Birch, you're a cheat. Birch, you use people. Birch, you're, you're, you, just, you just are only concerned with yourself. And I could say, that is true. But it does not condemn me because it is Christ who died. But then Paul steps it up, and he steps it up, and he steps it up. Not only did Christ die, but he rose again. Not only did he rise again, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Not only is he sitting at the right hand of the Father, he's interceding for us. You see, he, he just is laying on. You really think you're going to bring a condemnation here? Christ died. He rose again. He's at the favored position. He's got the Father's ear. He's at the right hand of the Father. The position of power and favor is His. And He's interceding for us. That's what's going on. That is, that's the strength that has been given to us. That's the truth. That is the outworking of God is for us. Christ is at the right hand of the Father. I want to give you a picture of that. Revelation chapter 4. throne room of God. John is given a vision of this and I chapter Revelation 4.1 and, and after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said come up thither and I will show you these things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold, and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. 
And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts, each of them had six wings about him, the cherubim. And these, and they were full of eyes within, and they were they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor, and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. The throne room of God. Is there anyone, anyone that's going to condemn you when all of that's going on? Anyone that can come up and, and declare you condemned, damned to hell? No. They cannot. You see how complete Christ's work is? It's Christ that died. It's Christ that's risen. It's Christ that's at the right hand of the Father. It's Christ that's interceding for us. This work that has been completed, but this work that's ongoing. He's interceding. He's working on our behalf. He's, he's telling the Father about our suffering, our struggles, our temptations, our trials. He's telling the Father about the church in, churches in Myanmar right now and the suffering that they're going through. He's interceding on our behalf. And now we get to the security of God's love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He's going through physical realities, the physical struggles of life. And it's, it's so interesting here because he's not saying that we won't go through these, that as Christians we won't. He's saying this is very real, very true, uh, uh, very significant, very painful. It is true suffering. And that we will go through it on this earth. He refers back to Psalms here. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. We are killed all the day long is a, a phrase meaning the, the threat of death hangs over us at all times. This, this reality, this suffering, that, that not only doesn't go away when we become Christians, many times becomes worse. 
Many times the, the rejection, the persecution, the struggles, the trials, the temptations, they become stronger. They become harder. They become more difficult. But then Paul says something unbelievable. He says, nay, no way, not in, the, in the, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. <laughs> We've got an active group. You see, it would be one thing to say that we conquer these things. We have victory over the, the trials, the persecution, the suffering on this earth. But he's saying it's more than that. It's that those things themselves become the thing that makes us victorious. And this is, this is all through Scripture, but most significantly shown in Christ's death. We often tell stories, and, and they follow, at least good stories, follow a particular pattern. That you have the ideal, you have peace, a, 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 a peaceful shire, Eden, and then there's a calamity, a, a failure, a problem, a crisis that must be taken care of. And then there's a, a path, a journey through that crisis to, to gain victory, and then there's victory on the other side. We often tell stories that in spite of the trial, they made it through. But that's not Christ's crucifixion. It's not that, oh, in spite of the cross, Jesus was still able to save us. In spite of the fact that evil men murdered the author of life, Jesus still was able to save us. No. God used the very thing that was the tragedy to be the victory. This is... The, the cross is our victory. But the cross is the tragedy. You see, it's not that he just, oh, he conquered the cross and then he was able to save us. No. He was more than conquered because he took this evil thing and he turned it completely on its head and said, yes, this tool of death, this tool of, of capital punishment, the tool of execution is the very thing that we glory in. Because it's what God used to save us from our sin. So he takes the tragedy itself and makes that into our victory. It's more than conquerors. We don't just make it through, oh, I survived that. No, we thrive through it. Why? Because God is working it so that we become like Christ. God is using those difficulties to become like Christ. I wish I could remember the numbers. 
But when the Chinese government drove out the missionaries and slaughtered thousands, hundreds of thousands of Christians, and then slowly, gradually, over time, China was a closed country, and then after decades, missionaries were able to come back as English teachers and various things. What did we discover about the church? Not only had it grown, it was, it was time and time and time and time again, I want to say like a hundred times larger than it was when the missionaries were driven out and the persecution came in. God used it, used that very thing to become the thing that, that brought those churches victory. And so we can have this confidence in the, in, and security in the love of Christ in the midst of these trials. Because God's plan, as we heard last week, God's plan for His kingdom, the way He set it up, it absolutely depends on Him being fiercely committed to being with us through all of us. That's the way He set up the plan. It's not... My, my fierce faith, my, the strength of my conviction. No. It's God's power. It's God who is for us. And He's greater than any of these trials, any of these tribulations. And then verse 38, Paul moves from beyond the physical realm and goes into the spiritual realm. And he says that neither death nor life, those spiritual realities that are present with us at all times, death nor life, nor angels, even, even God's angels, nor principalities, nor powers, the evil working, the evil powers in this world, nor things present, nor the, the spiritual forces that are present now, or anything that will happen in the future, things to come, nor height, that's heaven, nor depth, that's hell. And then Paul just gives up and says, nor any other creature, anything you can come up with, will not separate you from the love of God. That's how secure it is. That's how sure it is that no matter what you're going through, God is fiercely committed to being there, to loving you through that. Folks, there are realities in our lives that, that reach a deep spiritual level a questioning, a doubting of our faith. There can be physical suffering that gets to the point where you have to wonder, does God even know? 
Does God even hear? Is God there at all? Does he even exist? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. He loves you through this. And he is for you, even in this. There are those of you who are questioning, is there really no condemnation? Am I really free from condemnation? Because you're thinking about your sin, you're thinking about your struggle, you're thinking about your addiction, you're thinking about your lack of faith, you're thinking about all the, the, the circumstances that are going on in your life that you are working through. So you're thinking, you know, I don't need someone else to condemn me. Because I'm, I'm pretty good at it myself. I can, I can come up with a whole list of things. And that was just from this morning. But think back to that throne room where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the cherubim are singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. And the lightnings and the thunders and the beasts and the elders. Are you really going to walk in there and you say, hey, stop. Just a second. You know that thing I promised I would never do? I just did it again. It's Christ who died. It's Christ who's risen. It's Christ who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. It's Christ who's interceding for us. And He is there in that throne room on our behalf as the one who stood in our place so that we are not condemned. So we can live free from that guilt, free from that fear of death, free from that, that, that judgment, that eternal judgment. And we can live as one who is becoming like Christ. And then moving back up again to this level of awe. How can it be that God would love a soul like me? How can it be that God is for us? How is that even possible? When Connie gives her testimony, she speaks of a time where, after years of rebellion, deep heartache, deep sin, as she turned back to Christ and turned back to Him and began to slowly surrender, these things that had a hold on her life. She tells of a time where 
She was driving. And it just began to wash over her that God knows every single thing that she's ever done. And that knowing that, God still loves her. And she said it just, it just came over her like a, like a wave of just power of God, just this power of God's love over her to the point where she was just weeping and had to, to pull over because she couldn't even see the drive. That's the awe that's being expressed here. What can we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That should just capture our hearts this morning and this week. That as we, as these truths flow out of us, that we can't help but speak them. And when those fears come, and when those temptations come, and when those struggles come, and when that rejection and that persecution and those difficulties come, And we can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? That that as we go to speak and we, we clam up, that we can know that God is for me as I speak of Him. That as we're tempted to sin and we're struggling with that, We can say, no, God is for me. In this moment, and since I have a God that's for me, I want to serve Him. I desire to serve Him. I don't want to serve a God who is going to destroy me. I want to serve the God who is behind me, who is loving me, who is guiding me, who is strengthening me who is carrying me through this temptation and this trial. That is the God we serve. God is for us. Let's pray. Oh, Father, it is It is amazing to think that you love us so much. That you would work and sacrifice on our behalf and continue to work to bring us home to you as treasured sons and daughters. Lord, help us to live in this reality. Help us to know it for sure. Help us to be different this week because we are confident that you are working all things for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name. you stand as we open our time of song this morning with How Great Thou Art. We're going to sing verses 1, 3, and 4.
chapter 17, King David says, it says, And then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And this was a small thing in your eyes, O God. You've also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come, and have shown me future generations, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant. For your servant's sake, O Lord, and according to your own heart, you've done all of this greatness in making known all of these great things. There is none like you, O Lord. There is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. David was before Christ. The story was a little different. The setting's a little different. But our story is the same, isn't it, this morning? Who are we that God would tell of what we get to experience for generations before him? And it's because of him and the great things that he chose to do. Would you join us as we sing this morning, Yet Not I, But Christ. Your, your handout's a little bit off on the chorus piece, so if you're reading that... Try to look up here since Pastor Jamie magically got it working.
singing here after those truths from Romans 8 and hearing your voices. It's powerful. Thank you for that participation. And just a reminder, um, pick up the uh, annual report there and the uh, nomination sheet there. And next Sunday we'll try to have a short meeting here at the vote on those things after the morning service. Um, again, um, to, uh, a, a couple more things. Um, Sunday morning, I'm just gonna we're gonna take a pause here in Romans before we get to the rest of it. We're gonna look at some some goals here for this year for our church. Um, I uh, I want to break out this year in a way that serves our community and makes disciples. Um, as we are people who are incarnating the life of Christ to the community around us. And um, you'll notice there in the nominations, we have a few deacons to come on. And one of the things that I think is really important for us is for our deacons to serve as uh, in teams, uh, in, t- in a team kind of a ministry. Um, Paul and his work had teammates who he could send to do certain things and and uh, I think we have some men here with servants' hearts who uh, can be uh, examples and models for us and coordinate and, and, uh, and, and give some, uh, some energy here to our church, uh, reaching and engaging with our community. I'm really looking forward to that um, this year. Um, next week, make sure you bring back your, your baby bottle blessings for the Zoe Life Center here um, and get them into the box underneath the table back there. Um, pick up a yellow sheet for your prayer focus and then some questions um, to go over. If you don't have a group to, to go over these uh, questions from Romans 8, come on over to our house Tuesday at 5.30. You're invited. Um, guys, you're still, uh, you're still on the hook here. If you need a, need a babysitter, we got you covered. And uh, just, just let me or my wife know. Say, hey, I'm going to take you up on that offer. Um, we're going to slip out and we're going to drop our kids off. We'd be happy to to watch them, uh, just let us know. <laughs> so we'll be ready for them. Um, a, a couple more things. Next Sunday in the evening, uh, where's Ethan? Is Ethan Troster. Um, from, is it 4 o'clock? 4 to 6 p.m. Um, Child Evangelism Fellowship is going to come and do some training on understanding today's child. And so if you're involved in children's ministry, this will be very insightful for you. Uh, CEF is, obviously that's their specialty in doing child work uh, um, and uh, and child ministry. And so they're going to try to uh, sketch out what it is to minister to today's child. In some ways, obviously, children are the same as they've always been. In other ways, there's certain influences, different shapings uh, in their culture and life that we'll, we'll need to learn about to help us effectively minister. Do you think? And this training is not just for teachers, it's for anyone interested in working with children and understanding today's child, whether you have kids, grandkids, neighbors, it's for anyone in the church to come and be a part of it. Alright, so really, really, really key thing here. Um, pick up a bookmark as you uh, read uh, 2 Corinthians, finishing the book, that book this week, for, uh, chapters 8 through 13, and uh, I think... Uh, uh, you'll, you'll see Paul's heart here for restoration with that particular church. We would like to begin our Sunday school due to the way the curriculum uh, orients itself here and how it starts on March 7th. And uh, we're getting geared to go. We're going to have Sunday school after the morning service. Um, and uh, 
and we have one need here. Becca uh, Brand is going to take the twos and threes, and she needs a helper to help her with that. And so there is a need for a helper for Becca Brand to help with the twos and and, and threes um, this year. At this time, um, I'm going to have uh, Matthew May come on up. Where are you, Matthew? Matthew has served as our treasurer for 29 years. That's as older than I am. And I'm going to share a thank you note that I've written to him on behalf of you guys, and I, I think this reflects your heart as well. Dear Matthew, thank you so very much for the many years of stewarding the finances of the church. It's often a thankless job, and many hours are put behind the scenes. You've been given a first-hand account of the seasons of ebb and flow. But more importantly, you have a front-row seat to the faithfulness of the living God to get his mission done year after year. As a small token of our gratitude to the Lord for your labor, we're feeding your inner pyromaniac and giving you a great fire pit to enjoy and burn stuff up without putting <laughs> off a lot of smoke. Gratefully, Pastor Jamie and the good people of South Hope Community Church. I'm going to have Jared bring this over to you here. This is just a small token of our appreciation here. Um, it is, uh, we do know you like fires. It might have been a secret before, but now it's not. We want to say thank you, Matthew, for your years um, and, and serving. And uh, some other people are going to step up here and help with the finances. And Matthew's going to help transition that, but he has, is going to enjoy a well-deserved retirement yeah. um, from that from that, uh, from that that position. So let's say thank you to Matthew. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, guys. Uh, you're dismissed in about Ten minutes, we're going to, those of you who want to join us uh, for the Making Disciples, as Jesus did, team, we're going to be up in the auditorium, and, uh, and God bless you here today.